0: To WMNF 88.5 FM and WMNF.org. You're listening to the Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. Before we get started, I want to remind you that the candidates for U.S. Senate in Florida will debate tonight, and you can hear it live on WMNF. We'll broadcast the debate between Marco Rubio and Val Demings on our HD3 channel, The Source, from 7 until 8 o'clock tonight. You can listen on an HD radio, on the WMNF app, or on WMNF.org. A search committee at the University of Florida recommended only one finalist for one of the highest salaried state positions, that's president of the University of Florida. That recommendation is Republican U.S. Senator Ben Sass from Nebraska. And since that announcement, there have been major protests on campus both against Sass and really against the process that's happened that, that brought him there. Our guest on the show today has some insight on all that. So I hope you stay tuned to hear why her organization is concerned about Sasse. And maybe you can weigh in by calling 813-239-9663 or by emailing DJ at WMNF.org. You can also text 813-433-0885. If you do text, please be sure to sign your text. Bryn Taylor is the co-president of the Union for Graduate Assistance, UF Graduate Assistance United. Welcome to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe, Bryn.
1: Thanks so much for having
0: me on. I appreciate you coming on. A lot of people are really concerned about this topic, and uh, this is the first time we've been able to explore it in depth. So I hope that people get to tune in and to weigh in, and we'll be able to hear what you have to say about it. So thanks so much for coming on. So before we get to Ben Sass specifically, why don't you let people know, what is GAU and who does it represent? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, so, GAU is Graduate Assistance United, like you so kindly introduced, and we are the union for graduate assistance on campus. So, um, once you enter grad school, you can either um, just do pay your tuition and complete the degree, um, or you can be a graduate assistant, which means you work for the university, but you also um, are a student pursuing a degree, so I, mean, I think pretty much every doctoral student at UF is a, a graduate assistant, which means they do research assistants um, or teaching assistants, and um, about some master students are, but altogether we represent about 4,400 graduate students at UF.
0: Again, our guest is Bryn Taylor, co-president of the Union for Graduate Assistance, UF Graduate Assistance United, or GAU. And the GAU hosted a protest um, a week ago yesterday, last Monday, and we have some audio that was recorded by the Tampa Bay Times in which you can hear people chanting, Hey, hey, ho ho, Ben Sass has got to go. So the rest of the show we're gonna talk about Ben Sass and about, you know, what, what this protest is all about. But I wanna give people a sense of what your union is is uh, saying and what the protest is all about. Here's a little bit of the audio from, from that protest. So we're hearing audio from that protest. It sounds to me like hundreds and hundreds of people. Were you there and what, how would you describe the mood there and how many people were there? What was it like?
1: um yes i was there um it was i would say a very empowering experience overall there was um i've seen estimates of 300 but i'm not actually sure how many people um entered into the building but we were able to overwhelm the forum they were having um and really take back the university for our messaging
0: And the forum that you took over, I think eventually they they did it in a different room and it was broadcast to people. And just for people to know, once we... Um, once we're done with our interview with Bryn later in the show I'm going to play some audio of Ben Sass answering questions from the faculty senate president uh, no sorry the faculty yeah I think that's her title the faculty senate president so we'll hear that in the second half of the show But so let's get now to the meat of why you're what are some of the reasons that the GAU is concerned about Ben Sass being the only finalist one of the things that's been put forward in the media is that Sass has been criticized by people who support LGBT writes, He was asked about same-sex marriage in that forum we were just talking about that was hosted by the UF faculty Senate in that, in that, um, forum, which we'll hear later. He said, Oberkfell is the law of the land. America's not changing. He's referring to the Supreme Court ruling that allowed same-sex marriage. He said, I don't see any movement at this university to have any discussions of changes. So that was his attempt to tamp down some of the criticism that's been lobbied at him about his stance on LGBTQ rights. So two questions. One is, what was your understanding about his stance on LGBTQ issues going in, and were your was your mind changed by what you heard in his response?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, as soon as they announced he was the sole finalist, quote unquote, um, I mean, a coalition of people and organizations came together pretty quickly. I mean, a lot. I would say most of the UF community is pretty outraged um, by this selection and the whole selection process. So um, we, GAU, organized a protest along with Young Democratic Socialists of America, the UF chapter there, the Union for Campus Workers, the Union for Faculty, um, a few other student groups like College Democrats and Planned Parenthood Generation Action. So it was a whole um, group of us coming together to Uh, basically stand up against his appointment. Um, So he, I mean, I did not know much about Ben Sasse before this, uh, before they made the announcement. Um, But I mean, it's pretty easy to find information about him since he's a sitting U.S. Senator. Um, and yeah, they want to say Rahul Patel and the board of trustees wants to say that his record as a senator is completely divorced from how he will behave um, as president of the university. But it's not possible to do that um, you how you vote as a senator is a re- reflective of how what you believe as a person and your beliefs are always going to shine through into all your decision making um, so. Yeah, we were all very disturbed. No, I don't believe him when he says it's not going to influence his decisions or he is um, in a completely different mindset from when he was a senator or something like that. Um, No, I don't believe that. And even if he wanted to be that way, I mean, I feel like it's um, not possible for him to. I feel like he's going to unintentionally, even if he uh, claims to be intentionally unbiased.
0: We're speaking with Bryn Taylor, who is co-president of the Union for Graduate Assistance, the UF Graduate Assistance United, GAU. That group is concerned that Ben Sass, who is a sitting senator, as she mentioned, was chosen as the only finalist for the next president of the University of Florida. I want to remind people that you're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canaan and we're talking about some of the opposition that's happening to the nomination or the the announcement that Ben Sass is the sole finalist so we've talked about LGBTQ issues and we can bring that up more in, as we go on if you'd like. But another concern that came up during the forum that, that Ben Sass was involved in is some of the faculty asked him questions about the Stop Woke Act in Florida, which has to do, it's called the Individual Freedom Law, but it's commonly called, called Stop Woke. It deals with the teaching of things like race and history called HB7 in Florida. And according to uh, WUFT, the radio station, Dr. Pasha Agos, who is an assistant instructional professor at the William and Grace Dial Center at UF, said, I wasn't satisfied with his response to the question about HB7 and he said uh, he didn't specify how he, meaning Sass, was going to balance academic freedom under the law, maybe because he's new and doesn't know his plan yet. So w- how would you characterize the concern that graduate students have and others at the university have about how Ben Sass might implement the Stop Woke Act at University of Florida?
1: yeah um graduate students faculty members are extremely concerned about hb7 in general um it was one of the reasons why during the listening sessions um during the presidential search process so many people said that we do not want a political choice we do not want a political um, figure in as head of the university because the influence of the state on uf has been huge uh for the last year especially um and faculty graduate assistants are feeling very vulnerable and very unprotected by university admin from um, the state's attempt to basically outline what teachers can and cannot teach in higher education um so we wanted somebody who was going to stand up to the state and say no teachers are going to be able to teach what is correct and what is appropriate for their field no matter if it's offensive to your political viewpoints um i mean basically everyone is very concerned that he's not going to be that person to stand up to the state especially since a lot of people are thinking the state intervened in this whole presidential search process. So it's all it hasn't quelled anyone's fears about um, the politicization of UF and it's not making anyone feel very safe in terms of what they can and can't teach in the classroom.
0: So that professor who I quoted earlier from the WUFT article when he said that he SAS did not specify how he was going to balance academic freedom under the law, you, that's, you still have that concern?
1: Um, yeah, very much so, because no one knows right now how it's going to be implemented. There's talks of um, it'll be like penalties for violating HB7 or going to be like fees to the university or like lawsuits to the individual, like there's so much unclear about how this law is going to be implemented at all. Um, and yeah, it's even more unsettling that he doesn't even have a plan for how to protect, against that but why would he because he's from Nebraska.
0: I want to remind people that our guest is Bryn Taylor, who is co-president of the Union for Graduate Assistance at the University of Florida, the UF Graduate Assistance United. That group is concerned that Ben Sass was chosen as the only finalist for the next president of the University of Florida. And we are going to take your calls later in the show as well. 813-239-9663. You can text 813-433-0885, or you can Uh, email us at dj at wmnf.org. I have a couple of emails that have already come in and texts, but I'm going to hold off on those for a second because I want to go back to something that you were talking about a minute ago, Bryn. In a press release that outlined GAU's concerns about SAS, you point out that the University of Florida community is still recovering from last year's academic freedom scandal from continued censorship and other politically motivated actions. So let's take those in order for people who don't remember. And we're, you know, we're a couple of hours away from the UF campus. This might not be in the forefront of the minds of people at, in the Tampa Bay area, but set in, who, what set in motion the academic freedom scandal at the University of Florida and what ended up happening?
1: Um, I mean, so the biggest thing that's happened that there's been several things that have happened. Um, but the biggest thing was that UF prevented, um, three, I believe, faculty members from testifying in a state court case because the state of Florida was the defendant. Um, they were asked to give expert testimonial, um, testimony and, Basically, UF administration denied them from doing that, which has never been done before. Um, so that set off a whole level of concern. The Union for Faculty got really involved in, in that case, um, and they were eventually allowed to, but it took a long time. Um, the Board of Trustees addressed it at their meeting. It was very weird and uncomfortable. They were very defensive about the whole thing. and. Um, it was obviously a mistake to do that. Um, so that was the first set of things. And then they, um, there was some COVID-19 researchers on campus that um, had data on COVID-19 numbers and spread in Florida. And UF admin instructed them not to release that data because it went against Florida's narrative for COVID-19, the state of Florida's narrative for COVID-19 in Florida. Um, it's been one thing after another, pretty much. Um, and it just feels like this is just one more thing to add on to the
0: list. And the university investigated this these claims of academic freedom. In general, what were the conclusions of that investigation?
1: Right. And the problem with these internal investigations is that they're investigating themselves. So they set up this group of people, no one knows who it is, um, to investigate these issues and find out if there was like political intrusion or whatever have you. But it's people the board of trustees at the end of the day is picking and the board of trustees is the people who incited this decision in the first place. So, of course, they're never going to find anything suspicious. These um, the the um, task they chose to to handle this did not find anything um credible but i mean the way they they look for uh violations is through like foia requests and things like that and i mean these kinds of shady dealings are not happening over uf's public server like they're happening behind back doors and yeah
0: our guest is Bryn Taylor, co-president of the GAU at UF, the Graduate Assistance United Union. And that group is concerned that U.S. Senator Ben Sass was chosen as the only finalist for the next president of the University of Florida. And I want to focus on that part now, that he was the only finalist we're going to get into the process of how he was selected and so forth. And I want to remind people that you're listening to WMNF Tampa. It's 1021 in the morning and I'm Sean Canan. This is the WMNF Tuesday Cafe. So the process for selecting the president of a state university in Florida used to be in the sunshine. We knew who the candidates were and in some cases we could watch the interviews. But Florida's SB520 now provides privacy for university presidential applicants during the selection process. So what has changed? What specific things Things have changed in the last few months even, and how has that affected the process?
1: Right. So when they started this presidential search process, um, like before they even did the listening sessions, which is where they just basically held a bunch of forums for different population that you have like graduate assistants, staff, um, faculty, things like that. Um, they said we will be they have it, I have a screenshot of it on their website. They said we will release at least the names of two finalists um, towards the end. And uh, that's when we can decide who the new president will be together. And it was uh, normal. And that's how it's pretty much always been done. There's usually two or three finalist names um and then UF community can weigh in at that point. Um, but this time there was just the one, <laughs> which is already problematic. Um, but they have said that essentially the 12 finalists that they chose originally, um, none of them agreed to compete for the position in the Sunshine. Um, so I... I assume, I guess, based on their narrative, that is the biggest change is that, I guess, candidates, finalists don't have to agree to um, having their name released. Um, but in my opinion, you said this was how the the situation was going to work. Like I don't feel like the finalists, I don't feel like UF should have to compromise for the finalists. I feel like finalists should have to compromise for the UF community. Um, and frankly, if they don't want to compete for the position, you had 700 applicants find three others that want to
0: compete. I want to remind people that we're speaking with Bryn Taylor, co-president of the Union for Graduate Assistance, UF Graduate Assistance United. And we're talking about Ben Sass being chosen as the only finalist for the next president of the University of Florida. And to provide a little bit more insight to the process that you're talking about right now, here's a note that was sent around by the chair of the UF Faculty Senate, And we are going to hear more later in the show from Dr. Amanda J. Phelan. She's also on the UF Board of Trustees. So here is part of what she wrote with, I'm presuming she had insight as part of the selection committee. She said, the selection committee did not choose to pick a sole finalist. A sole finalist was picked because none of the top candidates were willing to stay in the pool unless they were the sole finalist. In other words, none of the top candidates, all of whom were high-profile leaders, were willing to compete for this position against two others publicly for 21 days, which is what the new state law requires. If the committee had chosen more than one finalist, none of them would have remained in the pool and there would have been no finalists. So that is the word from Dr. Amanda J. Phelan Phelan kind of backing up what you were saying, Bryn. So that sounds to me like some qualified candidates were eliminated for the only reason just because of how they would have been impacted by these new state rules in Florida of interviewing finalists for presidential searches. Um, Yeah, it
1: seems like it. Um, My biggest question, though, is like, why the finalists have to be high profile figures? Um, Why can't it be someone who is already within the UF community um, that understands how the university works, um, aligns with Gainesville's larger values? Um, Why does it have to be someone who has that concern in the first place?
0: Our guest is Bryn Taylor, co-president of the Union for Graduate Assistance, UF Graduate Assistance United, GAU. And I'm going to read just a couple of texts that have come in right now. Uh, First of all, um, Gary, um, Gary says, thanks to your guest for speaking out. As a UF graduate, I'm deeply concerned about this issue. The board of trustees are all mega donors of Ron DeSantis and are definitely doing his bidding in all UF policies. Gary finishes by saying academic freedom is definitely on the ballot this year. Vote appropriately. So thank you, Gary, for that comment. Um, going back to Bryn, now, do we know who makes up the UF Presidential Search Committee?
1: Um, yeah, it's a whole list of, of people that do. So the, you have um, a lot of the board of trustees. You have uh, Amanda Fahler, who's faculty and president. Um, lauren Lamasters is the student body president she's on it um there's a staff member i think um like football staff um and there is a faculty member as well besides amanda phelan i believe um but it's comprised of, of a few other people that i'm not sure how they're integrated with the university um but yeah, that's, that's pretty much who, who comprises the search committee. Um, they pick new people every year. There's some players that say the same, but um, for each one, each time they have a new president, they generally pick a new crop of people. We wanted, we really wanted a graduate assistant on that search committee um, because there, there is none uh, right now, um, but they did not grant that to us. <laughs>
0: Our guest is Bryn Taylor, co-president of the Union for Graduate Assistance, the UF Graduate Assistance United, GAU. That group is concerned that Ben Sass was chosen as the only finalist for the next president of the University of Florida. David writes in, he says, I know there's a lot of controversy about Ben Sass, but I honestly think he'll be good at the job and help raise the university's profile. I think we should give him a chance. I both work at UF currently and an alumnus. I bet Sass will be great at fundraising since he's already got some fundraising experience as U.S. Senator. And David concludes by making a joke. He says, "Uh, nonetheless, I think the graduate students need a better catchphrase for their protest, don't sass me. So those are, those are David's thoughts out there. And Bubba writes, I find it interesting that Jeff Brandis, he's a state senator from the Pinellas County area, who says the law keep, keeping university presidential searches secret was not used as intended in this case. He never thought it would lead to a sole finalist. So Bubba asks, what does your guest think about those remarks?
1: Um, yeah, so I'll start with the the first one. Um, I've written down. Don't sass me. I will definitely use that. Um, but in terms of fundraising, I mean, UF is very good at fundraising as it is. The Grow Greater campaign raked in four and a half billion dollars, capital B billion dollars, um, in in donations and endowment and things like that. And I mean they're they're pretty plenty good at raising money right now. Um in terms of his experience, I mean I Uh, I disagree that he'll be a good university president, obviously. Um, He's spent the last seven years in the Senate, which is longer than he's ever spent as a university president. His only other academic experience is being president of a small Lutheran university, um, private, 1,400 students. 1,400 students is about three classes at UF. Um, he does not have the experience of how, of dealing with the state and a state controlled university, which is a whole other ballgame. UF has crazy prestige as it is. We're already a top five university, considered best university in Florida um we i i think personally this is going to take us down because a lot of people are reading this as a political choice as a political appointment and a lot of people are seeing uf now as DeSantis's personal playground so no i'm not um i'm not I should not share your optimism um in terms of what brand just said i mean yeah you uh you messed up by writing that law sorry like i'm sorry this wasn't how you thought it was going to be implemented but it is so um i'm really hoping that he's right when they say that they're going to edit the law in the future um but i don't know why anyone ever thought taking anything out of the sunshine was a good idea
0: our guest is Bryn Taylor, co-president of the Union for Graduate Assistance, UF Graduate Assistance United, GAU. That group is concerned that Ben Sass was chosen as the only finalist for the next president of the University of Florida. And I'm going to play just a 13-second soundbite here from a reporter from the Independent Florida Alligator. So the search committee, as we've talked about, was accused of a lack of transparency in the job search. Students and staff also spoke out against his previous stances on same-sex marriage that Sasse's previous stances so christian casal is a reporter with the independent florida alligator student newspaper in gainesville and he spoke last week on the florida roundup he said protests over SAS were linked to his past opposition to abortion and to marriage equality so here's that reporter and just a 13 second soundbite that you can listen to
2: when father and a mother and, you know, that didn't play well with a lot of, you know, these young activists who, you know, a, a majority of the people protesting were members of the LGBT community.
0: All right, so, Bryn, we're going back now to what we were talking about at the beginning, maybe, is the uh, the initial opposition to specifically to Ben Sass and his positions that he's taken when he was a U.S. senator. You know, in the last, uh, I guess it's 12 years or so that he's been a U.S. senator. I might have that wrong. But, um He's a sitting U.S. senator, and so there's been opposition to some of his positions. Um, we're going to let you go in just a minute or two before we play some of the sound that, that Ben Sass was talking uh, when he was on campus. Any last thoughts about, about Ben Sass and about the process and what are the next steps for Gainesville? Do you think he'll be the next president?
1: Mm-hmm um we're very concerned he'll be the next president but if the board of trustees presidential search committee continues to go forward with it then they will be in obvious opposition to the will of i would say the majority of the uf community um and that's on them um i mean we're going to continue to protest we're going to continue to be at his events board of trustees meeting november 1st where they plan on talking about this issue, setting up the interview. Um, So we'll be there. Um, We're not going to stop until there is some kind of justice and equity in this search and that voices are heard in the UF community.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe, Bryn.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Bryn Taylor is the co president of the Union for Graduate Assistance, UF Graduate Assistance United. They have questions about Benner, Senator Ben Sass being the only finalist for the position at the University of Florida president. You are listening to WMNF Tampa. Now we're going to hear a few minutes of Sass being questioned by Dr. Amanda J. Phelan. She's chair of UF's Faculty Senate. In this segment, she's going to ask him about topics like tenure, climate, and LGBTQ issues, you're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe on 88.5 FM.
3: Many of us are deeply concerned by your positions on LGBTQ plus rights, and many of us are very skeptical that you will recognize, protect, and advance institutional protections for the rights of all students, faculty, and staff, regardless of their sexual orientation or gender identity. UF's non discrimination policy prohibits discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity or expression. A large constituency at UF would like assurances that you will not undermine those protections and that you state your commitment to treating all persons fairly.
2: Thank you uh, for the question. I guess uh, that's right down the path of where um, we guessed we might uh, start. So let me just begin by saying I believe deeply in the uh, immeasurable worth and universal dignity of every single person. And I believe in creating uh, a culture and a community of inclusivity. Um, So I I guess that's the first thing to say, that everybody has infinite worth. Um, The second thing to say is, I don't, I'm just getting to know the issues of the moment in your community, but I don't really see any issues that are being considered um, by the university administration or the board right now that are related to the issues that I think people might be most fearful about in that regard. Like Obergefell is is the law of the land and America is not changing. And I I see no um, movement anywhere in this university to have any uh, discussion of any changes in that regard. And so I think the, the responsibility of um, the, the president and frankly everybody in leadership at this institution is to create a community where people vigorously wrestle about whatever the issues are in their classes at that moment, but that the community is a place of um, respect and inclusion for all all Gators.
3: Thank you. Um, as a follow up, uh, I think it's one thing to commit to respecting UF policy and maintaining the status quo when it comes to LGBTQ plus rights on campus. It's another thing to commit to actively protecting and advocating for the rights of faculty, students and staff in a place like the state of Florida. What plans do you have to further inclusivity how do you plan to assure LGBTQ plus members of our community in particular, that they are and will, will remain welcome and safe on campus? And finally, what benchmarks can we use to determine how successful your efforts have been?
2: Well, thank you. I mean, maybe I'll distinguish. I think, I think that the second and third um, your last two sentences maybe there was a distinction between my personal um, welcoming and, and views and commitments and what we can do at the level of um, metrics around people feeling inclu- included included um, so the first is as as a neighbor um, I've Want everybody that I get to know um, to bring the people that they love with them to the dinner table. Like what we what we do as neighbors. Um, I don't mean to say this to be self serving, but I'm, I didn't intend to be a politician. Um, I'm again one of a small number of folks in the U.S. Senate um, who is a, a first time politician, has never run for anything before. I'm by far the highest vote getter in the history of Nebraska. Um, And the only way that happens is because people across a whole spectrum of politics in Nebraska think that I'm a whole human, I'm not reducible to whatever my policy positions are. Um, There are lots and lots of people in Nebraska who might not agree with my policy positions on X, Y, or Z, but they know that I care about them and value them as a person. And so that's who Melissa and I are as neighbors. At the level of metrics, I would need to learn from your community inside UF what metrics have been used to date, what is working well, and what needs to work better. So I'm I'm aware that there is an LGBTQ plus uh, presidential advisory group, um, and I would love to meet with that group and understand um, what is happening on campus and what are the metrics that are currently being used, and what do we need to do better to create a, a community and a culture of inclusion where people feel respected.
3: Thank you. Switching gears a little bit, also another important topic for faculty. When you were president of Midland College, you eliminated tenure. And when interviewed about the change when stepping down, you said, quote, the college doesn't exist as a job program for teachers. This perspective on the purpose of tenure is in direct contrast to the AAUP's 1940 Declaration which affirms that the purpose of tenure is to safeguard academic freedom and ensure that scholars can teach and conduct research without fear of corporate or political pressure. Do you agree that tenure is fundamental to academic freedom? As president of UF, will you direct or support efforts to eliminate tenure? If you do support tenure at UF, what policies will you put in place to protect it?
2: Yeah, that's a, an important question and many, many different subcomponents. There's, there are a few things that were maybe implicit in there about what happened at Midland that aren't exactly accurate, but I don't think it's probably worth spending time quibbling on that. I think I would just, what I want to say at a headline level first, um, I will be a zealous defender of tenure. Um, tenure is an incredibly important tool inside a large research university uh, like this. And one of the great opportunities we face at this moment at UF. Um, is the opportunity to recruit some of the best talent on Earth. And we're not going to succeed at recruiting the best talent on Earth if we don't have tenure as a key piece of that. So I'm, I'm a defender of tenure and would, would continue to be so, and we would obviously need it in our arsenal and toolkit to recruit the best talent. Uh, what I was saying about Midland, though, is there's obviously a big difference between a large, complex research institution and a small, teaching-centric institution. And I think one of the ways that we defend tenure better is by making sure we can eliminate some of the misconceptions that many people have about tenure. So I don't, I don't know Tallahassee, never, to my knowledge, I'm running through my head, a lot of travel history in my life. I don't think I've ever been to Tallahassee, uh, which is something because I was very happy to see Nebraska beat Florida State in football many times, but I guess it was always in Lincoln. Um, that was probably a political misstep right there, sorry. Um, uh, but probably it's fine for the next month, but if I get to the Board of Governors, maybe that was a mistake. But um, I've, never, I've never been to Tallahassee, so I don't really know what the conversations are about tenure there. But having served in politics for the last seven and a half years, there are many people who, when they hear tenure, what they assume is some uh, guaranteed lack of accountability. Right? They, they assume that what it means is if you're a member of a teaching faculty and you just stop showing up for class and so students suffer because they don't get the benefit of your great teaching, it means nobody could ever hold you accountable for that and you get paid forever regardless of whether you do your job. We all know that that's not what tenure means. But we have to do a a good job of making the case for what tenure is and why it exists. Um, I I think back to when I was in college, uh, I graduated undergrad in 1994, and when the Hubble telescope was unveiling some of its revolutions, must have been in the spring of 93. If we hadn't had in astrophysics uh, an ongoing debate between steady state theorists and Big Bang theorists, we as a civilization wouldn't have had the benefits of competing theoretic- theoretical views of what hubble was going to discover if if a position that fell out of favor and became the you know no longer the 15% position but the 9% position the 6% position if then the 94 got to crush the 6% and toss them out that attack on academic freedom would have only been made possible uh, if tenure didn't exist. It was a pretty great thing that we had tenure among elite physicists to enable us as a civilization to learn more. So at a research institution, there's all sorts of reasons why we need tenure, While why I will defend it and why we need it as a tool to recruit for this specific institution. But I also think it's important to recognize that in a community um, this big and diverse, we have a whole bunch of faculty that do very important things that are not on the tenure track and I want to be an advocate for them as well. So I think there's a a lot of conversations we need to have but if if the headline worry is um, that I'm an opponent of tenure, I think there are lots of places where tenure can be abused and in some situations has been, but in a place like this, tenure is an incredibly important tool, and I will be a defender
0: of it. That's U.S. Senator Ben Sass. He's been chosen as the only finalist in the search for the next president of the University of Florida. I have more to play from that. Uh, he was being questioned there by Dr. Amanda J. Phelan. She's chair of UF's faculty senate, and I have more to play uh, there, but I, I got an interesting call that I'd like to put on the air. So um, we have... We have Eddie in Tampa. Hi, Eddie. What's on your mind? Why'd you call in? Yes, I called in because it's a
1: hypocrisy that they talk about President Sass, but they don't talk about real law. Sass has far, far better qualifications than real law, but nobody's talking about real law. Sass has a PhD. Real law does not have a PhD. Sass was a college president. Real law was never a college president. SAS has published something. Real law has never published anything. It's a complete hypocrisy. I think they should be more concerned that we have a totally unqualified person at USF as opposed to SAS, who may have some unpopular political views, but he has excellent credentials.
0: All right, Eddie, thanks so much for calling in. I appreciate that. Thank you. And, and I think that people might be able to weigh in on that as well, if you'd like, 813-239-9663. We are going to go back and hear more of Ben Sass. He was talking last week at the University of Florida. He is the... Finalist, the only finalist for the president of the University of Florida, one of the highest paid state positions in in Florida. And uh, there have been concerns, as you heard from my guest early on, the GAU, Graduate Assistance United Union co-president, who is concerned about Ben Sass being the only selection. Well, here's more of Ben Sass being questioned by Dr. Amanda J. Phelan talking about things like tenure, which we just heard, and climate. And in a bit, we'll hear about... Uh, that lack of experience at the at the as a, at a as a president at a big college he's tried to say so here's more of ben sass
3: thank you many faculty have expressed deep concerns about political influence and interference at uf Last year, a Faculty Senate report documented, quote, palpable reticence and even fear on the part of faculty to speak up in case they anger state government officials. Multiple state laws restricting universities have been passed, such as HB 7, commonly known as the Stop Woke Act, has placed limitations on what instructors may say in classrooms. SB 7044 requires state institutions to change accreditors every five years. And lawyers for the state argued in a court filing last month that faculty do not have free speech rights when we teach. In this environment, what specific actions can you take to strengthen academic freedom? How will you stand up for and protect our interests when they undoubtedly clash with the interests of elected leaders in our state?
2: So, very important question again, uh, but I probably answered pieces of it in the last question, so I'll try to not be too redundant, so maybe nibbling around the edges. Um, Academic freedom is obviously essential uh, to our research mission, and academic freedom is essential to what happens in a dynamic classroom. Um, You want vigorous debate around a conference table and in a seminar room and at the lab bench. Uh, So first of all, uh, I'm a defender of academic freedom, period, full stop. Obviously, not having been around Florida during these recent political debates, um, I've uh, read some news stories of them. Then I've read other news stories that seem to contradict versions of what was first reported about some of them. So HB7, um, it is my understanding that it's currently in litigation and regulatory pieces of it aren't done. Um, I have to learn a lot more to really understand what it is. Um, Sort of like what I said, though, on what tenure means to people who are scared that it means lack of accountability. Um, My understanding is some people are worried about indoctrination in the classroom. Good teaching isn't indoctrination and it shouldn't be indoctrination. Good teaching is initiating people into debates and so we should be having debates about uh, obviously some of these uh, pieces of legislation centered on uh, race in American history as a historian Um, I want to teach the big debates about race in American history. You can't understand America if you don't understand the original sin um, of racism in American history. And so I'm a vigorous advocate uh, for teaching the full range of debate about what has happened in my discipline uh, in American history. But that's a different thing than indoctrination. And we have to be good at explaining to people why vigorous teaching is where people come together and effective teaching is where people come together to vigorously discuss and debate ideas, including a lot of ideas that students might not have been exposed to before. But that's not indoctrination. And so people who are opposed to indoctrination shouldn't be afraid of the fact that we want vigorous debate in our classrooms.
0: Well, that's U.S. Senator Ben Sass talking at the University of Florida last week, where he is, a, is the only finalist for the UF presidency and uh, he was talking there about academic freedom and about tenure, two of the things that we talked about earlier with my guest from the GAU, the Graduate Assistance United Union. And we have a caller who wants to talk about tenure. So, Ann, you're on the air. What would you like to say about tenure?
1: Yes, um, I was just listening to Ben Sass and, and talking about tenure and what tenure is not. And I have to say it makes me a little bit irritated because it is, the conservatives and the grand old party that has put tenure in a negative and everything that he said tenure is not, they are the ones that have made people believe that that is what tenure is. And so it's, it's really amazing to sit there and listen to him him say that. So that was that was my
0: comment. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Ann. I appreciate you calling in. And a r- reminder, if you'd like to call in in the last couple of minutes of the show, 813-239-9663, you can also email me, dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0885. Please sign your name if you do send a text. And we are about to hear more of Ben Sass, who is the senator from Nebraska and also the uh, only presidential candidate finalist at the University of Florida. He's being questioned here by Dr. Amanda J. Phelan and they're gonna talk now, I think about climate and then later on about his experience as a small college president.
3: Thank you. You're visiting Florida less than two weeks after one of the most devastating hurricanes in history. One that produced floods across the state, storm surges that flooded cities on both coasts. UF was one of the first universities to sign what is now known as the President's Climate Commitment. We have worked to advance sustainability and climate change mitigation policies, and we are working towards reaching carbon neutrality by 2025. As UF President, what role do you see in advocating for research and policies that seek to reduce the human causes of climate change?
2: Yeah, so I obviously um, believe in climate change and believe in the human human role in climate change and uh, some stuff that was sent to me from some of my family members that apparently was in the papers uh, after last Thursday night presumed that I have positions that maybe many, some people, some elected officials do in the Republican Party, um, some of them being uh, skeptical of climate change arguments. That's not my position. Um, So I, I believe in climate change and I believe in the human role in climate change, a place where I might differ with some people in the room and in the community, is I'm very skeptical of the ability of the federal government to centrally plan our way through a moment where I think the only way we're actually going to see is succeed. Um, at reducing the human role in climate change is through a lot more innovation. And I think that's going to require a dynamic U.S. economy. If you look at the places uh, around the world that have the greatest ramp up in their contribution uh, to climate change, there are countries that are not going to be responsive to the fact that the U.S. might pass uh, rules that will constrain our economy. and so. I believe strongly in climate change. I believe strongly in the role of UF to be involved in research to mitigate climate change. But I might have some differences of opinion with people in the room about what federal policies would be more or less effective to that end. Um, But this is an institution that ought to be leading on lots of climate change research and on lots of the engineering and other sorts of innovation. I'm I'm kind of a, a battery nerd when you think about all the technologies that are disrupting the world right now the, the quick list everybody starts with is always AI, machine learning, quantum computing. Uh, to me, it needs to include synthetic biology, robotics, virtual reality, um, sucking mass physiological data physiological data out of mass video, and uh, battery technologies. Uh, I don't know what the research uh, at UF right now is in the battery domain, but it's a space I care deeply about. And one of my jobs, if it works out over the course of the next uh, four or five weeks, that I get to be on the team helping lead this institution. One of my jobs is to go out as salesman and say to people, come partner with us, we're changing the world. And I hope we have lots of things we can put in that view book, that catalog of sales opportunities I have to go out and try to recruit uh, new talent and new resources to celebrate the kind of work that uh, UF big brains and, and researchers are doing in this
0: lane. That's Ben Sasse being questioned by Dr. Amanda J. Phelan. She's chair of UF's faculty senate. You're listening to WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. This is WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canaan, And Ben Sasse's appointment as or um, selection as the only finalist at the University of Florida for the presidency is quite controversial, as you heard from my guest at the beginning of the show. Well, in this last segment that I'm going to play of Ben Sasse being questioned Dr. Amanda J. Phelan asks him about the university politics and about his only previous experience as a college president, which was at a very small college.
3: Many faculty have expressed concern to me that the Board of Trustees has had too much influence in day-to-day decision-making at UF. How would you characterize your anticipated relationship with the board, and what would your response be if you thought the board were imposing its views and management preferences on you?
2: So obviously I'm still in a learning posture about what um, normal modes of operation are um, in Florida in general, flowing from um, taxpayer and, and investment and legislative policies that drive um, the Board of Governors. But at the Board of Trustees level, um, I've served on a lot of boards over the course of my life, and uh, a mentor that I had about 15 years ago had the phrase, um, A board doing its job well is constantly tending to the rule, noses in, fingers out, noses in, fingers out. Meaning that um, sort of the the Aristotelian idea that committees deliberate better than individuals and individuals in whatever their domain is execute better than committees. There are benefits to collaboration and to dialogue and to semi-finalist ideas before you get to finalist ideas and before you make a big bet um, on a project prioritizing this or that program over another for funding. I think that it's incredibly important for any good board, not just UF's board, but as a general principle, to have some transparency about what the goals and metrics are that are being used. That's a very different thing than micromanaging individual decision making. And so, you know, with lots of um, kudos and respect for the 13 members of the Board of Trustees, they do. incredible work in terms of the total amount of hours and time that they invest in unpaid capacity to volunteer to better and further this community. Um, It's not their job to run an individual lab or to teach an individual class or to recruit an individual high school. And so um, fingers out means the board shouldn't be micromanaging decisions, noses in means they should be the people who help facilitate a culture of transparency and accountability about how we prioritize among computers projects
3: thank you you were last in higher education administration in 2014 at Midland College an institution much smaller than UF both in size and scope you have a lot of big ideas about how to improve higher education but much has changed over the last eight years, and UF as an institution is much larger and much more complex. How do you intend to get up to speed on how our university functions on the ground day to day? How will you work with faculty to ensure that you receive a broad spectrum of information about issues that affect faculty on the ground? And how open will you be to input from faculty on all these issues?
2: Very open uh, because no one first of all, let me just agree with the premise of your question um, UF is uh, fifty six thousand student and thirty thousand faculty and staff and in institution um, midland uh, has I think sixteen hundred students so it 's the, the the modal form of higher ed in America is a liberal arts college of fewer than two thousand students there are thousands of these um, but they're they're wonderful special places where lives are changed and community is thick um, but there's nothing like the complexity of a place like this and so no one person could possibly know enough uh, to make decisions across the broad range of things it's about facilitating conversations dialoguing and learning so I think that the answer to your question is uh, listen 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 and listen some more um, there's I mean I mean, when I say I'm an advocate for lifelong learning, that isn't just for our 22 and 24-year-old and graduates. Uh, I'm an advocate for it for each of the three of us up here on the dais. Uh, I'm an advocate for lifelong learning for me and in my household. And one of the things that's so uh, exciting about a place like this is that there's, uh, you know, an infinite cornucopia of opportunities to learn. And so that has to just be a part of the culture of how you try to shepherd an institution like this is by learning, I don't. I'm not ready to commit uh, to the timeline of what onboarding would look like. First of all, I'm not presumptuous yet about the fact that decisions would n- still need to be made. Um, the board of trustees, I think, meets the the first week of November. Um, but if this goes as the way I hope it will, um, then I imagine I would start sometime in the new year, and I would have a many, many months uh, period of listening to her and learning, and I would welcome dialogue with the broad range of of constituencies and programs. There are ballpark two hundred academic units at this institution, um, so you can't be in a listening tour uh, for five years straight uh, but you would need to be in a listening tour for many 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 months uh, to be able to help figure out how we assess the opportunities of, of sequencing and prioritization among many of the new opportunities before us, both in Gainesville and also in, we haven't talked about uh, the West Palm campus or South Florida yet, but uh, scripts and other opportunities that we would need to learn about as well.
0: That's Ben Sass being questioned by Dr. Amanda J. Phelan. She's chair of UF's faculty Senate. We might have time for a quick phone call. Jody in Gainesville, what's on your mind? Can you make it in like 20 seconds or so?
1: I'm, I'm, I think we all need to look really critically when the gop and people like sas say that we should teach both sides in teaching the history of race what they're saying is we need to spend equal time presenting racist science and racist ideology to our students and then the students are supposed to debate can you imagine what this would look like in our diverse classrooms we're being told students should debate whether african americans are two-fifths of a person or human and and students should be presented racist ideologies and the other, you know, anti-racist stuff and debate it
0: out. Jody, thank you so much for your call. I think you made your point very well. Thank you so much for that. We're at the end of the show, though, and if you missed any of the interview with my guest, who is Bryn Taylor, the co-president of the Union for Graduate Assistance, the UF Graduate Assistance United, talking about that group's opposition to Ben Sass being the only finalist for the University of Florida presidency. You can catch it this afternoon on WMNF.org. Thanks to everyone who donated during our recent fund drive. You can still donate at WMNF.org. Thanks to John Dunn. Stay tuned next for Wavemakers with Janet and Tom. They'll be talking about the Sunrunner bus service. You're listening to WMNF Tampa.